Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A broad rally underway on Wall Street. NASDAQ trading at a record of 23.6144, a gain there of four tenths of one percent. S&P 500 index above 2400, up four tenths of one percent, advancing nine points now. Dow Industrials up four tenths of one percent to 20,974. The Dow is up by 78 points. The 10 year down 330 seconds with a yield of 2.34 percent. Gold up 330 the ounce to 1231, up three tenths of one percent. And West Texas Intermediate crude now at 4884 a barrel, up by one dollar, a gain there of 2.1 percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It's 11.48 right now in the Bay Area, 2.48 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. The U.S. economy isn't growing very fast. Some state economies are. New state GDP data has Texas, Utah, Florida, and Washington leading the way with annualized real growth of more than 3% in last year's final quarter. To get a longer view of state economic health, I looked at the states with the fastest-growing GDP over the past year, the course of the current economic recovery, and since the year 2000. The only two to rank in the top 10 for every period were California and Utah. Texas came close. That's two red states and a blue one. It's one of the country's highest-tax states, California, one of the lowest-tax states, Texas, and one in the middle. Utah. All are west of the Mississippi. All are economic powerhouses. Got a simple explanation for that? I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every week at this time and also at 548, 848, and 1148 Wall Street time. bit about investing around the world. Last week, in fact, uh, Bloomberg News reporter Double Lines Capital's Jeff Goodlock recommended shorting the S&P 500 index and going long on emerging market stocks. Let's get a, a global perspective. Omar Aguilar is Chief Investment Officer of Equities at Charles Schwab Investment Management on the phone in San Francisco. Omar, when you look at the world, what do you see uh, on an investment basis? Uh, hi, how are you? Um, yes, Steve. The market has uh, shifted its focus from uh, a U.S.-led recovery to what we see uh, overall worldwide recovery economic-wise. And in particularly, uh, Europe has uh, changed its course dramatically this year. Uh, on one hand, uh, you know, reduction in the political anxiety that everybody had going in through the French elections. Uh, I think that, you know, poised a very good uh, safety net for what may, we may see going forward. Um, second, we also saw that the uh, Eurozone recovery, it is pretty solid and it's very positive. And then finally, the ECB continues to provide a very good stimulus. So when you think about that component, you know, it's something we haven't seen in the last, you know, five to seven years. Are we all chasing, uh, I mean, let me just ask you about Europe. Are we yeah. all chasing a trade here? We mentioned uh, last week uh, how investors are pouring a net $6.1 billion into European equity funds in the, way, in the week to May 10th. So are people now chasing? Facing Europe, and maybe that's not a good thing. Well, you know, clearly there's always a, a, a 
concern about overcrowding a trade. And yes, uh, I think the interest in Europe, you know, came even more relevant during that time frame you mentioned, mostly because of the election. And obviously, it's always uh, a good time to basically exploit that volatility. Um, that being said, when you look at the long-term uh, growth, uh, most U.S. investors uh, have been traditionally underinvestment globally. If you look at, you know, any portfolios, uh, retail or even institutional, most investors, you know, have rotated to the U.S. for the last few years and away from developed markets. Um, so that is still an opportunity where even those initial uh, investments is still a very small portion of what people may have to invest. Um, it, it is interesting too that we've seen this sort of. We've been hearing quite a bit about this trade. Do, do you look at it in terms of uh, you know how do you put this trade on? Is this a, is this a currency trade? Is it an equities trade? Are you looking at fixed income? Well, there is uh, definitely fixed income is not the option. <laughs> I think if, when you look at the uh, the market in fixed income, uh, particularly in the international markets and developed markets, the yields associated with those uh, countries is still very low relative to what you can get uh, in the U.S. Or, or emerging markets. However, when you look at the risk on and the typical uh, cycle, when you look at the recovery mechanism out of Europe, you know, it suggests that you go to risk on a traditionally more risky assets, uh, and in, in those you tend to look more for opportunities when valuation has been lagging. I think the initial trades that you usually see will be for those valuations are the biggest, and I think some of those have been in place already. Uh, the euro as a currency has been still undervalued relative to, you know, traditional PPIs and some of the other metrics. Therefore, you know, as, by investing directly in Europe, you actually get both the benefit of a euro appreciation, but also at the same time the potential benefit of the upside economically and corporate earnings-wise. Hey, your Schwab International Equity ETF, ticker SCHF, um, is up about 13% so far in 2017. Talk to me about the kind of fund flows that you're seeing into that ETF. Well, through the um, you know the end of last quarter, we we saw uh, a significant amount of interest to our international ETFs in general, mostly as people rotated, just similar to what we were discussing earlier, uh, into our international, particularly in the developed markets. That interest continues. We see um, a, a continuation of interest in terms of uh, high volumes for trading our ETFs, as well as narrow spreads on our ETF um, you know solutions. So that uh, it continues to be uh, a very you know, healthy interest from all the retail and non-retail investors going in through the, that particular fund. But in general, all the other international ETFs that we offer, you know, have seen, you know, very um, good inflows. So when you say narrow spread, do you mean the spread between the, uh, the, the valuation of the, of the ETF compared to the net asset value? That's correct. You know, when the, usually when you look at the spreads um, on our ETFs that you represent where people may not be sure whether the underlying you know, securities are valued the same way as the ETF, in this particular case, we see that that spreads have, you know, been very narrow. You know, that's also a function of the volatility out of Europe has, you know, reduced quite a bit, you know, since the election in France. It's intriguing, uh, too, because uh, it, it, what, what, is, what is a spread in a typical ETF, and sort of how do you monitor that over time? I mean, is that a sign of, of, of health of the ETF or, or, or trust in the management or what? Absolutely. You know, a big part of, uh, of uh, a good offering, and we do a lot of work here at Schwab in just not ensuring that we track the index that we are following in our ETFs and also to maintain 
the low cost for our clients, but, you know, the health of ETF can be measured in terms of the volume, you know, how much does that ETF trade, as well as the bid as a spread as the, you know, what the ETFs provide. And if you look at that, that's basically what the client experience, you know, ends up being. So you want to make sure that you don't only buy a good ETF, but at the same time, you want those where, you know, the bid as a spread, just like any security, is actually as narrow as possible and reflects the underlying investment as, as good as possible. The good thing about our Schwab ETFs also has to do with the fact that because of our baskets are very liquid, you know, those spreads tend to be more narrow than when you have broad-based uh, ETFs or more esoteric ETF where the underlying investments are not as liquid as the ones that we have in our developed markets particularly. What do you think could slow down the fun, uh, the money coming into these international ETFs? Just got about 30 seconds here. Say that again. I couldn't get the question. What do you think could, could slow down the flow of investor money into your ETFs, the international or others? Just got 20 seconds. Yeah, I think the political anxiety is always an area that slows down folks. I do think that the summer will probably end up slowing down some of the flows, mostly as a result of people taking vacation, especially, you know, as, as people have already invested some of their money in international. All right, we're going to leave it there. Omar, thank you. Omar Aguilar, he is Chief Investment Officer of Equities at Charles Schwab Investment Management, joining us on the phone from San Francisco. And if I take a look at the MSCI Europe Index, Corey, it's up about 17% since just after the election, since November 14th. If I look at the MSCI Global World Index, all the developed markets, it's up about 12% since November 14th. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. A check on today's trading session just on the other side of the break. This is Bloomberg. 